Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Um, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you, uh, you, you released many from their bondage to sin, death, and the devil as the healer of the nations. But when it came time to, to, to release you, the crowd chose a, uh, the crowd chose a, a murderer instead. Through our co-crucifixion with you in the waters of our baptism, may we continually be released from our sins as we confess you to be our everlasting King. For you live and reign with the Father and, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, so this is our last uh, session on free will, part five. Um, let's do as we usually do and, and just uh, begin with Psalm 80, verses one through seven, going back and forth. I'll do the, the unbolded parts and y'all do the bolded parts, okay? Um, so Psalm 80, verses one through seven. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, and let your face shine that we may be saved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, so we are going through uh, this... Uh, let me see here. We're in Solid Declaration Part 2. So this is going through the Solid Declaration of the Book of Concord, Article 2. This one is specifically paragraphs 48 through 56. Pull it up in my little copy here, too, so I have a little more modern translation. Oh, now we get to the topic of conversion, right? So we've been talking a lot about uh, what it is, uh, who, who we are apart from God by ourselves, um, and uh, who we are in our own sin, um, and what God can do for us in spite of that. I mean, what we can do for ourselves spiritually, which is okay. nothing, right? Cough drop. Yeah. You got one? I'm... Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a toss there. That's good. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Actually, I was curious. Can we get you something to drink? Or, or... I've got some water. I don't know what happened to my throat. That's okay. That's all right. Maybe the devil's getting at you so, you, exactly. so we can't do it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Yeah. No, I, I think it's the devil because every time I do, you start doing my devotions and stuff, uh -huh. I start sneezing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he'll do something. Yeah, he'll he'll do whatever he can. It's like it's like when we're. And when I can't he'll... help it. I just sneeze and I say, okay, I've got to put it down. I've got to go get me a Kleenex. Yeah. You know. Well, that's like when when like we're trying to get some sleep. It's like we're gonna go to bed early tonight, and all of a sudden the kids start acting up. And we go, oh, the devils are after the kids now, and yeah. we're we're getting all aggravated. I mean, I, it's it's joking kind of, but I think it's true. Um, so. We are in uh, conversion. So we're talking about conversion, how man is converted to God. And so this is from uh, the Solid Declaration of the Formula of Concord, Article 2, uh, verses, I mean, paragraphs 48 to 56. So those are the parts that are unitalicized, and then we'll look at uh, the italicized parts to look a little bit closer into um, these things. So uh, how man is converted to God. We shall now relate from God's word how man is converted to God. How and through what means, namely through the oral word and the holy sacraments, the Holy Ghost wants to be efficacious in us and to work and bestow in our hearts true repentance, faith, and a and new spiritual power and ability for good. And how we should conduct ourselves towards these means and how we should use them. It is not God's will that anyone should be damned or perish, but that all men should be converted to him and be saved. Um, and, and be saved eternally. Uh, so we have Ezekiel 33, 11 and John 3, 16. So I, we kind of know John 3, 16, but who wants, who wants John 3, 16 and who wants Ezekiel 33, 11? To pull those up. I've got Ezekiel. You've got Ezekiel. Uh -huh. And then just so we remember John 3.16 correctly, let's have someone pull up John 3.16 as well. So Ezekiel 33. Sure. Okay. I need to get 33.11. Okay. So we'll do Ezekiel 33.11 first and ask that question. So what does Ezekiel 33.11 have to say? Okay. Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign <coughs> Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from their evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Okay. So according to the text, what does the Lord not have pleasure in? And then what is his pleasure? So what does the Lord not have pleasure in, according to this? Death of the wicked. Wicked. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't revel in the death of the wicked. It's not something he, you know, when, when a grave sinner is dying he doesn't like rub his hands and go oh yeah get him you know yeah you get what you deserve and i love it yeah that's not god's will right um it does it does not please him because that was someone who was who he created that he desired for them to be saved right and according to their own you know bound will to sin they wouldn't and so that grieves him right so what, but what is his pleasure then? For them to turn from their ways. Yeah, yeah that, that they turn from their way and live, right? That 
that that they hear the word, they they are convicted, and they have a change of heart because the Holy Spirit has caused that to happen, and they turn around from their their ways and live a godly life, right? But in faith, yeah. So um, uh, that brings us to John three sixteen. So John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right. It's just like you remembered it, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, who does God love? The world. Yeah, the world. Um, and 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 one thing I really like to show about that verse is that we always say, you know, for it's it's. That verse is so well known in that construction, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, um, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We read that in terms of magnitude, like he got, God loved, God loved the world so much, but it's, but I've got a little note there and it's right to put it there that it's otherwise translated as, um, for this is how God loved loved the world. You know, God loved the world just so, right? In this way, right? That's what the text really is getting at. But we've had it in that formulation for so long. God so loved the world that it's just part of what we know. That if someone did, if someone were to change it, they go, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound right," you know. But that's what the that's what the Greek is saying. That God loved the world in this way. God loved the world just so. In this way. In what way? That he would give his only son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, so it, so we see. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see it as magnitude. He loved us so much that he gave his only son. But really, it's supposed, it, it, the Greek is really pointed when it says he loved us. He shows his love by giving us his son. Yeah. And that in and of itself shows the magnitude as well, right? So you have, you have both things there. It kind of adds a little bit of nuance. It's kind of nice. Um, any thoughts about that? Questions? Yeah. He, 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 he did it all for you. Yeah. Uh, you know. And, yeah. And last week I said something about our dad. This was his favorite book, John. Yeah. And another story was that his son, her brother, was going to go join the ROTC or something at... Georgia Tech, and her dad told him, no, don't do it. I've already been through the whole war. You don't need to do it. Yeah. You know, and it was like, you know, God did all of this for us. I've already done this for you. You don't need to join. Interesting. The army. Would he he have fought in a war if he would have been in the army? Would he, was that, oh, the son? The son. No. I mean, I don't think. I mean, maybe he would have gone to Vietnam. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. But that would have been a rough one. But, but I remember that story. It kind of paralleled John in the way he thought of yeah. the book of John. That God's done this for us. You know? Yeah. You don't so have we to. We don't have to do anything. And you don't have to pick up your arms and fight. I've already fought. Yeah. On, um, on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. That's very same, interesting. Same. 
Yeah. yeah, I think uh, Gary would have gone. That would have been during the Vietnam time. That would have been really, that would have been yeah. very tough. And, you know, Dad said, no, don't you do that. Interesting. Don't. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. About it. Yeah. You would think he'd be diff- different about it because he was a patriot, you know? Sure. But Well, that's kind of like what John Adams said. Not that I'm a huge John, John Adams fan. He was a Unitarian, but... He said, he said, he's quoted as saying, or at least saying something along the lines of, um, or I, th- I think he wrote it, that, you know, I learn, is it, because he was a founding father, right? He was like the second president of the United States. He said, um, during the whole Revolutionary War, he didn't engage in, um, in philosophy and arts and things like that. He appreciated them, but he said, I learn strategy and tactics and, um, that sort of thing for now so that my sons can study engineering and um, those sorts of things so that their sons can learn art and philosophy, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like I learn the hard stuff that gets you yeah. through the grind so that my sons can learn the next step up and then their sons can learn what's what's more transcendent than that, you know? So yeah. we as parents have to do some hard things for our kids and, and do the hard work to get them to a place where they can have that foundation just ingrained in them or something that they don't have to worry about and then they can move on to hopefully greater things or the same things, who knows, right? You, but you never want your kids to regress, you know? Um, it's an interesting point though. I fought so that you didn't have to. I like that. Um, so the next part here, uh, therefore God, this is from, from the, uh, the formula. Therefore, God, out of his immense goodness and mercy, has his divine, has his divine, um, his divine eternal law and his wonderful plan concerning our redemption, namely the holy, alone-saving gospel of his eternal Son, our only Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, publicly preached. And by his preaching collects collects an eternal church for himself from the human race and works in the hearts of men true repentance and knowledge of sins and true faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And by this means, and in no other way, namely through his holy word, when men hear it, preached or read it, or read it, and the, holy, and, and the holy sacraments, when, uh, when they are used according to his word, God desires to call men to eternal salvation, draw them to himself, and convert, regenerate, and sanctify them. Okay? Um, so we have some more uh, Bible, verses, Bible passages coming up here. Uh, who wants... How about we'll go down, go go around the t- table, and all y'all here if y'all want. Uh, Peggy, would would you mind taking First First Corinthians one twenty one? Uh, Paul, would you get Acts ten five through six? Uh, Diane, if you would get Romans ten seventeen. Uh, Frank, are you able to read? Do you have your glasses? Can you see well enough? No. No. Okay, that's all right. Uh, Huh? I can hear. You can hear. That's fine. Um, Alice, do you want to get John 17? 
Yes, I can do that. Okay, and that should lead us into the next part. So, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Let me get there too. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Peggy, whenever you're ready, uh, go ahead and do that. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not <clears throat> know God through wisdom. It placed God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. All right. So, according to the text, what does the Lord use to save? I want to say wisdom, but I don't think that's the correct <laughs> I think maybe a certain kind of wisdom. Wisdom maybe. of God. Yeah, the wisdom of God. Uh, because it's kind of... Paul, you know, St. Paul is rhetorically very good here, but he, I mean, he's, he's very, makes very fine points, right? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. Sounds kind of contradictory, but it makes sense if you know that God's wisdom is separate and holy and distinct from the world's wisdom, right? Um, he says, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, uh, or through the folly of preaching, to save those who believe. So he, it's through the wisdom of God revealed in preaching, right? In preaching the word, yeah? So it's, it's through the word preached and the wisdom conveyed that people are saved, right? Um, so the Lord uses preaching to save people. Yeah? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that puts a big responsibility on you pastors. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but at the same time, the laity, uh, yeah, we, you know, pastors are worthy of double honor, those who serve the church well and teach and things like that. But, and, and also we will be held to a stricter judgment, you know, uh, we will have to give an account for all the people that we taught and, you know, led in the name of Christ, um, which is why, you know, false False teachers need to watch out um, big time. But as the laity, y'all are the royal priesthood, right? That um, you are a, you are a, a, a set apart people, a holy people to proclaim God's glory as well. You know, wherever you are, in whatever calling you have, uh, and not just your job, but you know, as parents, grandparents, mom, dad, husband, wife, whatever, you know, you have these vocations and callings as the royal priesthood to extol the name of God. Uh, so that's, I mean, we all have some responsibilities, but yeah, these, you know, these pastors, you gotta, you, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough job and, and one that really should keep you honest knowing what you're going to face at the end when God's going to have you before his judgment throne and saying, now, pastor, you know, you were supposed to teach this and, uh, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, or, you know, depart from me, I never knew you, right? So, I, isn't, isn't that, huh? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, as a pastor, you gotta, you gotta realize you gotta, uh, we have a, a, a tough job in that we have to be very careful what we do and preach and say and all these things like that because in the end 
I do not want to be one of those guys that says, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and do all kinds of things in your name and have him say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. Mm. Oh, I do not want that to happen. Mm. So I'm going to do my best to be faithful and rely on God's grace, but not make excuses for myself when I don't do what I should do and, and ask for God's mercy and, and pray that he would do good in spite of my failures, right? Um, but yeah, God saves people according to preaching the word and the wisdom of God. Yeah. Um, how about Acts 10, 5 through 6? Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Is that right? You hmm. know, when I read that, I thought, I don't, I don't think they have anything yeah, to do with it. Yeah. Let me see here. How does this text teach that the Holy Spirit uses the teaching of the Word of God to create and sustain faith? Yeah, I don't know about that one. Oh, I don't either. Now send men to his days. It says X-10. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't it seem does. right. No, it's not right. <laughs> well, that was one of the ones I didn't really prepare very much. I, I just went for the asterisk one ones, me. but... Um, hmm. Well, I don't know. Huh. Acts 10, 5 through 6. How does this text teach that the Holy Spirit uses the preaching of the Word of God to create and sustain faith? Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Um, I'm trying to think, maybe there's a little bit of a. I'm trying to see what else. Where else that might. Like, if that's a typo, what else could be there? So, let's see the context. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all the house, his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. By the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel from God come in, come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter, he is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Um, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything, he sent them to Joppa. I don't see it. Um, uh, how, how about instead of 10, 5, 6, Acts 1, 5, 6? That's what I was looking at. <laughs> I was thinking so, too. And... And I looked at it very, very briefly here. So one five six says, "For John baptized with water." Ah, yes. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then mm. they gathered around him and asked him, "Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" I can. Yeah, we might have to skip this one. Yeah. That's still that's still a little tough. I'll 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 have to get in touch with Pastor Wolf Mueller and say, hey, you need to fix this, man. And, <laughs> and maybe and maybe he'll say, you know what? You're like the umpteenth person since 2016 that's told me this, and I 
I just can't do anything about it. Or I've got other things to do. I don't know. Um, He's been checking you out. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I know Pastor Wolf is. Yeah, I know. I kind of want to get in touch with like, what? which one is that? And he'll probably be like, I don't even know. It's been so long since I've looked at that. Well, let's keep going on. I mean, but we do know that, that, that the Holy Spirit uses the preaching of the Word of God to create and sustain faith um, in that, you know, uh, well, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, right? Um, in fact, let me, let me see something here real quick. Um, let me see something here. I don't know if Acts is even the right book. No, it's not. I was I was thinking it was Romans, but that's not where it is. Uh, well, I, that's 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 where I'm thinking about, but it's not it's not there. Um, and those verses five and six. <coughs> but um, yeah, this is what I was thinking. Um, it's really going on the next one. Romans ten seventeen. How does faith come? Right. So I just got Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Yeah. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. And in that way, I would say it connects to what we should have talked about earlier there with that previous question, uh, that the Holy Spirit uses preaching of the word of God to create and sustain faith. Um uh, he uses preaching by the word of Christ, that Christ himself is the one who, uh, who uh, in his word, sorry, let me see something here. Now, I'm still trying to figure out what passage he's talking about there. I went to John, I was like, that's not John 10, 5 through 6. Um, yeah, that... The Holy Spirit uses preaching of the Word of God to create and sustain faith um, according to His His good and godly will, right? He He wants to do these things, and He does these things. He affects these things through the Word of Christ, okay? Uh, let's just move on, because <laughs> I'm going to spend, I'm going to waste all of our time trying to figure that one out. Um, which passage he was trying to get at there? Uh, about John 17. We, we will turn to John, John 17, verse 17 and 20. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And verse 20 mm -hmm. is, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Mm -hmm. So, how does the Father sanctify us? And through what do we believe in Jesus? So how does the Father sanctify us according to this? The Word is truth. Yeah. By truth. Right. He sanctifies them in the truth, and God's Word is truth, right? Um, and yet, to sanctify is to set them apart, right? For holy service to God. Um, so he, he sanctifies us, he sets us apart for a holy use in service to God, and through what do we believe in Jesus? 
Through his message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, through his yeah. word, through his message. Um, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Right? So um, he's talking about the disciples who have become the apostles, right? The apostolic teaching, the, the, the teaching of Christ crucified and risen for our sins, and that through this preaching, it's, it's not just their word, but it is, it, is the, it is their word that was given to them by Jesus, because Jesus also says, whoever, um, whoever, be whoever uh, believes you believes me. Um, so, uh, we see that God does all these things through his word, through the preaching. You see there in your handout there, that's kind of a classic, um, uh, painting, uh, from 1547 by Lucas Cranach, uh, titled Martin Luther Preaching. And it's not that they had a giant crucifix there while he was preaching, but it was to say, you know, he's pointing and what's he pointing to in his preaching? Christ. Yeah. He's pointing to Jesus Christ crucified right, uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. And that so between him and the people, they are seeing or being pointed toward the cross and Jesus, right? So that's how God works to affect faith through preaching. Uh, so the formula now goes on to say, therefore the eternal father calls down from heaven concerning his dear son, and concerning all who preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name, hear ye him, Matthew 17, 5. Uh, so why is the command to hear the preaching so important? You don't think. Because it came from God. Came from God, yeah. For what purpose? Why? Why did why did preaching come from God? Why did preaching come from God? Or why did why did it um yeah, why did why did I guess the message preached come from God? Why is it important that it comes from God? Well, we're sinners and we need to be preached to in the day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that, was, that, was, that, was, that was kind of a weird way to ask that. Yeah, yeah. You, you're right. Why did it come from God? It does come from God. You know, when I get up and I preach, they are my words that I'm preaching, but I'm preaching God's truth. And if I'm not, then, you know, I, I need to be called out on it for sure. But it's, uh, it's one of those things of like... Um, it needs to come from God because it needs to come from outside of ourselves, right? We can't, like you said, Peggy, we are sinners. We are fallen. If we think that we have all the ideas or all the wisdom that we can conjure up and that's what's going to do it, we are sorely mistaken. These last four sessions on free will has shown us that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And so we need God to break in through our sinfulness and say, you're a sinner, and Christ died for you, right? Uh, there's 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 a time for both of those messages to be preached, uh, but this, but you know the essential thing is is that it is coming from outside of ourselves that God comes to us from outside of ourselves and gives us objective truth about salvation, right, and judgment and things like that, so that um, you know so that we would hear and know who God is and what He's done for us. 
So the command to hear preaching is so important because God told us to preach and because he works through that preaching, uh, it affects salvation. It is, it, it is for the good of people so that they may hear and know who God is in Jesus Christ and what he does for those who trust in him uh, for the forgiveness of their sins. I mean, all, all those things are all wrapped up together. I mean, it's kind of a big question. Why is the command to hear preaching so important? For one thing, for conversion, and for another thing, for a strengthening of your faith, right? I mean, uh, one thing I love about being Lutheran is that we emphasize the gospel so heavily, right? Uh, whereas other denominations, they'll give you the gospel, but they only give it to you right at conversion. If they think it's going to bring you conversion, they'll give it to you. But then once you're converted, now it's time for the law, right? Now it's time to learn how to live a good life without the reinforcement of the gospel. Uh, um, you know, Baptists are really good at preaching the gospel uh, until they know that you've been a Christian. <laughs> and then when they know that you're a Christian, then they'll say, all right, now you're a Christian, now you do this. And you go, well, that's a good attitude to have. you got to live a godly life. Uh, but we would say we live a godly life because of the gospel, right? We need to be reminded, I'm a sinner. Uh, when I go out and I try to live a godly life and I fail, I need to come back here and hear about God forgiving my sin so that I can go back out there and try again according to God's grace to say I'm going to do what he's called me to do faithfully and, and the, to, to, to the best of my abilities and strengths as God has gifted me with them. And then, and then when you fail again, Hopefully not as much as last time. But when you fail again, you come back and you say, Lord, forgive me. I've, I failed again. I did not do all that I should. I didn't do enough of good things or I only did bad or whatever. So we keep coming back and we need to keep hearing about God has forgiven us. God strengthens us through the blood of Christ shed for our sins so that we would not despair. Right? Because if you... if you only hear about what you're supposed to be doing over and over and over and over again without the consolation of the gospel, you're going to get burned out. Right? You're going to get stomped down and said, and, and you're going to say, well, I guess I just can't do enough. And you go, that's exactly right. But Christ has forgiven you, right? He has done enough and he will sustain you, right? Um, and all that he asks is for you to be faithful. Trust in him, yeah? So it's important we hear this uh, consistently and constantly. Um, we need to hear about how to live a good and godly life we also need to hear about how God has forgiven us. Yeah? Uh, so it's, it's, it's important to know what Jesus has done for us and now what we do as, uh, as baptized children of God, forgiven of all of our sins and given God's grace to go forth and live godly lives. Yeah? Um, it, it's, it's really all about grace. It's really all about salvation and forgiveness and working from there in joy. Yeah. You like country music? Not really. <laughs> Not anymore, anyways. There's a singer, Alan Jackson. I think he's retired now. Yeah, I know Alan Jackson. But he had a song. And the, and the line, I don't, can't tell you the name of the song, but I remember this one line. Yeah. In it about these people are good people, and they're working hard to get to heaven. Right, yeah. Working hard to get to heaven. That's right. Yeah. Where I Come From, I think, think that's the song. Yeah. yeah. I hear it a lot. And when I say I'm not a big fan of country music, it's like I... I have a big nostalgia for country music. I grew up with country music. 
but modern country music, I can't stand it. And some and some of the older music, some of the older songs, when I hear about the con, when I really listen to the words, I go, oh, that's pretty terrible. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> you listen to like Johnny Cash and yeah. like Waylon Jennings and all those guys. It's like, at first you're just like, oh, that's, that's really nice. Then you really start listening to it and you're just like, oh, that's pretty terrible. And you think about the content of it. But nowadays all country music's about like cut off jeans and going and like driving the back roads and all whatever uh i'm just like okay there's no melody it's just yeah chanting you know it's it's pretty much yeah it's it's kind of noise and the content's pretty terrible because it's just a bunch of debauchery yeah and you just go oh man can you just lighten up (laughs) all that stuff yeah, they didn't want to play one of Johnny Cash's songs back in the old days when yeah. it first came out uh-huh. because of the lyrics. Uh-huh. It said, I shot a man in Reno just, just to, to watch him die. die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They thought that was... That's yeah, pretty that's, bad. That's pretty, I mean, when you're talking bad. about... Yeah. When you're, like, if you're singing a song about a sinner who's done the wrong things and now he's remorseful and he's forgiven, but whatever... I can see that that is a redemptive thing, but I mean, yeah. What was it? Uh, was that Folsom, Folsom Prison Blues? Yeah. Where it's just like, but he didn't sound very remorseful. He's just, or he's no. he's just sad that he got caught and he's going to Folsom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, there's a song. It's a clever line, though. Yeah. Of his, where he was named Sue. Yeah. Oh, the boy named Sue. Yeah. We're not going to get into all that right now. <laughs> Uh, he sang that when we went to the rock box. He sang that. Now, the cowboys got my engine a little bit too. I hear a Johnny Cash song every week on Ranch <laughs> yeah. Radio. Right, yeah, the radio. But where can we get to heaven? That one, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very, uh, and that goes back to this, these televangelists and all that yeah. stuff. That's what they preach. Right. Not faith, not you believing. Working. That you're working because, you know, that's. You send me money, you know, this kind of, kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a, to me, that's the wrong attitude. They're, they're taking the people down the wrong track. There. Exactly. Well, you know, there there is a passage in Philippians 2 that says... Uh, oh, here it is. In Philippians 2, there is uh, this one verse that says... Um, Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? <clears throat> but in the greater context of it, you have to read, you know, all the rest. Like, like that's that's verse twelve. That's half of verse twelve. You got to read verses one through eleven and the rest of twelve to really understand how what that means, right? And what that means is that he's saying, you know. Um, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and 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 sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love. Be in full accord and of one mind. Do, do, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, right? That begins with Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a, a, a servant being born in the likeness of men, 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, from what Jesus has done, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is the for it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Right? But if you only talk about working hard to get to heaven, yeah, you're you only see like good works. You only see good works. And we would never shun good works, right? We say that good works are part of the whole package right. of being a Christian, yeah? But, but they're not necessary for salvation. A lot of people think they have to do good works in order to get to heaven. Yeah. I mean, that's and, just... And we would say that good, good, good works, we have this one distinction, and we have it in the Book of Concord, too. Because they were fighting against the Roman Catholics, the Papists, right? Saying that that good works are necessary for salvation. And they're reading James, right? And James says, you know, faith without works is dead. And James is right. I mean, it's Holy Scripture there. Faith without works is dead. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about someone who was baptized and now they're in a coma and they can't do anything, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that, that their faith is dead because they can't do anything. It's like, well, they're in a coma. They can't help it, right? But the thing is, is that those who are not in a coma who are up and around and, you know, living a life, that good works are a sign of faith. Like, they do point to and confirm your faith. Um, and and, and good, good works include things like going to church, and they do include praying, and they do include, you know, works of charity and whatever else, but they're coming from faith. <laughs> they're not faith in good works, but the good works flow out naturally. You know, it's just like you, you don't have to look at an apple tree and say, grow those apples, right? You don't have to look at a corn stalk and say, make corn. It's just going to happen, right? I mean, a Christian is going to see the good works that God has prepared for them, and they're going to just say, oh, I get to go do that now, right? But they're not saying, oh, that's one more tally, one more tally, one more tally right. uh, to kind of counteract all my sinfulness. No, that's not how that works. So yeah, people get it backwards, and it's counterintuitive. We want to do things, uh, and we want to earn things, right? Sometimes that extends to salvation, and that's not how that works. We have to work from faith that Christ has done all that was necessary for our salvation, and then move forward from there, uh, working in the things that he has prepared for us to do. Yeah? So, But some sometimes you get even to that point, and some people will say, oh, that's just works righteousness. I was like, which part? about faith didn't you understand that I just said and some some people just can't help um, uh, yeah to, to me the word charity uh-huh is works and because you grew up because you grew up Roman Catholic right yeah yeah that's right but love is faith I mean I don't see myself doing these things mm -hmm. you know I don't go Pick up Nancy for charity. I do it as oh, a lover, you know. Sure. It, it's out of love, not charity. 
I'm not doing the work. I'm, well, you love me so I can love somebody else. Right, right. And but but charity is a good work. It's just that in the Roman Catholic sense, it's all messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's work. And if you don't do it, there's guilt. <laughs> right. And, and you know what? On some level, that's fair. It's okay to feel guilty for the things you didn't do. But you're not supposed to dwell. Yeah. You're supposed to be forgiven. Right? But, I mean, I think that's a really bad thing when Roman Catholics are known for their guilt. <laughs> it should be known for your, your well, grace. I've, I've, right? I've said this a thousand times. I said, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I wasn't that good a Catholic or anything, but <laughs> I, I felt like well, you're a good I, could, so. I could be a good Christian, but a bad Catholic. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, because... Uh, yeah, you know, being a Christian is <laughs> just following the Bible, but to be a Catholic, you had to do all of these things that, to me, they weren't really in the Bible. Right. Said, okay, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Some of the some of the things the Roman Catholics teach, I mean, they are biblical. Some. Some yeah. things, I mean, not everything is wrong, but there's enough wrong things that you just say you're really missing the boat on important stuff like, you know, justification and praying to the saints and all the stuff like Lighting that. Lighting right? all the candles. Yeah. All the little candles. Well, and you can light a candle when you're praying, but if it's, if no. it's to... But I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. No, that's fine. No, I don't want to judge. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, there's this, yeah, right. <clears throat> well, I mean, not to point out all these differences or all these discrepancies or whatever, but, um, I mean, I wouldn't say that seeing, ch I wouldn't say that charity in and of itself is a bad thing, right? No, but I, I associate it more with works than love. <laughs> well, but I mean, but you can do charity you can out do of it. love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go volunteer over at the needs council. That's sure. charity, but you're doing it out of love sure. to help somebody else. Sure. So, 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 but it sounds it sounds like there's just some strings attached with charity from when you were raised Roman Catholic, right? Probably. Maybe I don't know. That's I'm not going to psychoanalyze you. All. That's okay. No, it's okay. I mean, I mean, you give to charitable organizations and you help and you do these things like that, and your motivation matters. I guess is what you can say. I, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's okay. No, it's fine. Whatever. I mean, there's a lot of. I think these are these 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 are good discussions to have about good works and faith and things like that because. More often than not, in the Lutheran Church, good good works have been kind of de-emphasized, or at least kind of taken for granted. And, and now I think we kind of need to be spurned on just a little bit to say, let's see good works in the right light. You know, it's okay to do good works. In fact, it's godly to do good works. Just know that you're doing them for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, what about purg purgatory? Oh, uh, let's not get into purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, purgatory is not is not a thing. Um, it's over there by Bandera. It's over there by yeah. That's right. There's a there's a 
Yeah, right. Uh, Purgatory Road and all that stuff like that. Um, no, yeah, Purgatory... That's all part of that system they have, you know, the penitential system and everything, and you work out your salvation, and that, oh, it's terrible. I like to say, it's terrible. that's why I left the Catholic Church. I got up 3,000 years in purgatory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was your threshold, huh? Yeah. You're, hovering, you're hovering about the 2,950 mark for a long time, and then, and then as soon as you got over 3,000, you said, all right. That's too big enough. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going now, yeah. <laughs> Too okay, much. all those little red candles that they have in church, okay? <laughs> okay. Now, are they lighting those just to say a prayer, or are they lighting those to get somebody out of purgatory? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, there's so much about about Roman Catholic piety that I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case that they're that that they're praying for. They pray uh, for the dead. Yeah, they pray. They pray that they would be released from purgatory, or you know, and they do, and they have mass for the dead, uh, requiem mass and stuff like that. And yeah, that's too far, obviously. Um, uh, but as far as those little candles, um, I think those, at least from what I'm assuming, now take that for what it's worth. I'm making an assumption here. Maybe Paul, you know better than I do. But no. from what I from what <laughs> I would assume, were you Catholic? Yep. What, what were the red candles? Yeah. For? Each one represents a prayer. Yeah, that's what prayer. I thought. Okay. They're just like it's just a sign to say that a prayer has been said. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's what I would imagine because they're votive candles, right? So I mean, that's votive. Well, I don't really I don't really know Latin very well. I should learn Latin, but um, and in fact, I will someday. But. Um, I think it's just something to show that a, a prayer has been said. And it's just a visual sign of something that is done spiritually. Okay. Yeah, so, my mother would pray in the evenings and she'd light a candle. Yeah. Sit in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at our... And I, I really think that's why I'm here, because she always prayed for us. That's good. All, all I will say this for Roman Catholics. They take prayer very seriously. What they pray for and who they pray to is a question that I would have a contention with, maybe. But um, you know, well, definitely if it's to Mary or another saint or something like that. But uh, I will say that like they take prayer very seriously, and maybe we could learn something as far as devotion in that way, in the right orientation. You know, right? Uh, we should pray more fervently. Absolutely. Um, anyways, off topic. That's okay. Um, <laughs> This is good stuff, though. I like it. Um, so back to the formula here. Uh, now, all who wish to be saved ought to hear this preaching of God's word. For the preaching and hearing of God's word are instruments of the Holy Ghost, by, with, and through which he desires to work. He desires to work. Um, uh, he desires to work. efficaciously and to convert men to God and to work in them both to will and to do. This word man can externally hear and read even though he is not yet converted to God and regenerate. For in these external things as said above, man even since the fall has to a certain extent a free will so that he can go to church and hear or not hear the sermon. Through this means, namely, the preaching and hearing of 
His word, God works and breaks our hearts and draws man so that through the preaching of the law, he comes to know his sins and God's wrath and experiences in his heart true terrors, contrition, and sorrow, and through the preaching and consideration of the Holy Gospel, concerning the gracious forgiveness of sins in Christ, a spark of faith is kindled in him, which accepts the forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake, and comforts itself with the promise of the Gospel. And thus the Holy Ghost, who works all this, is sent into the heart. Ah, it's just beautiful, isn't it? It's wonderful to hear that. Um, so read Galatians 4, 6. Let's just all turn to Galatians 4, 6, because uh, there's not a whole bunch of different verses for us on this one. Galatians 4, verse 6. Uh, uh, Galatians 4, verse 6. Is everybody there? No. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm kind of quick on these things. <laughs> I'll be more okay. patient here. All right. Okay, you ready? Uh, Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba. Uh, yes, crying, crying, uh, uh, crying, Abba, Father. Uh, and then goes on from there to 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. But... 4 6 uh, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What does this text say about the Holy Spirit? Comes into our hearts. Yeah, he comes into our hearts. Uh, God has sent the Son into has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Uh, from where is He sent? From God. Yeah, from from God. I would say like from God the Father, right? Or actually, you know what? From God, God the Father and the Son, right? Like yeah. like like we say in the Nicene Creed, and like John says in his gospel, or Jesus says in John's gospel, right? <coughs> uh, that I will send the Holy Spirit, right? I I I will send the Comforter. Um. So from where is he sent? To where is he sent? We already said the heart, right? Our hearts. And what is the result? You're no longer a slave, but a son. Yeah, because he sends the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. Abba, Father, right? Yeah. Father. Abba, Father. Yeah. Makes it a real special relationship, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Call God Abba. Yeah. And that's and that's a very like daddy. Yeah, well, yeah like like a relate. It's a really good relationship. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Dad, you know. Yeah. Pop, <laughs> whatever you want to call your dad. Uh, you know, and and uh, um, I've heard some. You know, I heard when I was when I was growing up, I heard a lot of hay made out about Abba being like the word for daddy, and and something just and 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 I'm thankful that I heard some pastors kind of push back on that a little bit because it's like, you know, um, nowhere, nowhere in, like the sentiment is, I think, true, the intimacy, right? The intimacy was trying to be highlighted. But for us, um, for us, it was just like uh, a grown man would still call his 
dad, uh, Abba. Um, but it's not very often you hear a grown man say, oh, daddy. Maybe you do. I mean, I, I've heard that sometimes. Daddy-o. Uh, daddy <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I can see the sentiment. So I'm not... Dad. I'm not... Call him dad. They call him dad. Yeah, something that's familiar, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I think the sentiment was that it sounded juvenile or immature on some level, which I get. It I mean, does. I yeah. I I get it, but I also get the wanting to make it to make it that close bond that a child has with their dad, right? Mm-hmm. Like any 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 time I hear Lottie saying calling me daddy, I just I just melt. You know, yeah. it's like, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on the phone. Who are you talking to, Daddy? You know, it's that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, sweet little girl. Um, or Dad, or something like that, right? It's just the familial, the the term that says that that's that special bond of father and child, right? Yeah. Um, well, like it says in 7, you're no longer a slave, but a son. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, that we are his sons, sons of God. Even you ladies, y'all are sons of God too, just so you know. But like I say, uh, that means that us men have to be the bride of Christ as well, so we got both sides of things here. Um, <laughs> that's how it goes. So Galatians 4, 6 does say, you know, the Holy Spirit works faith. He's sent into our heart. He's he's sent from 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 God <coughs> to our hearts, so that we would call God our Father. Right. So back to the formula. Now, although both the planting and watering of the preacher and the running and willing of the hearer would be in vain, and no conversion would follow it if the power and efficacy of the Holy Ghost were not were were not uh, were not added thereto, who enlightens and converts the hearts through the word preached and heard, so that men believe this word and assent thereto, still neither preacher nor nor hearer is to doubt this grace and efficacy of the Holy Ghost, but should be certain that when the word of God is preached purely and truly according to the command and will of God, and men listen attentively and earnestly and meditate upon it, God is certainly present with his grace and grants, as has been said, what otherwise man can neither accept nor give from his own powers. For concerning the presence, operation, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, we should not and cannot always judge from feeling as to how and when they are experienced in the heart, But because they are often covered and occur in great weakness, we should be certain from uh, from, and according to the promise that the word of God preached and heard is truly an office and work of the Holy Ghost, by which he is certainly efficacious and works in our hearts. Any any questions about that, uh, that part of the formula? Before we go on to 2 Corinthians here, whatever questions you might have might get might get answered here in 2 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians uh, 2 and 3, 
Uh, we'll just all go, go there together because they're right next to each other, right? So 2 Corinthians... Second uh, Corinthians two verses fourteen uh, through seventeen. Who wants to read that for us? But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life, and who is equal to such a task. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit, on the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Okay. So what two fragrances does Paul talk about in the text? Life and death. Mm -hmm. One is a fragrance from, life, uh, from death to death and the other a fragrance from life to life. Uh, what is this image preaching and teaching to us. So if there are two fragrances, fragrances of death and life, um, what are what are we seeing here? Um, it's kind of a, a so I'm, I'm looking in my study Bible here, and maybe this will help us out a little bit. So death to death, to focus on the deadly character of a of a, a, a sacrifice or a triumphal military procession is to fail to see how that sacrifice gives life, right? So some who see the sacrifice in the wrong way, they just see death to death, right? They don't see any point in it. They don't see any benefit from it. Um, whereas life to life, Paul's life of sacrifice brings life to unbelievers. And then when he says, who is who is is sufficient for these things, Paul was personally inadequate for the monumental task of apostolic ministry, i.e., being Christ's representatives preaching both judgment and forgiveness in Christ's name. 
this did not destroy his confidence uh, in Christ and the certainty of his calling in Christ's name. And in fact, uh, the study Bible quotes what we just read, uh, I believe what we just read, in the formula of Concord where it says, we should be certain about and agree with the promise that God's word preached and heard is truly an office and work of the Holy Spirit. He is certainly effective and works and works in our hearts by them. Right? That that we are not sufficient for ourselves in this task, but that God is sufficient to bring us through what he has called us to do. Yeah. Um, and that by his gift of faith, we no longer see the sacrifice of God and our sacrifices, you know, in response to God or sacrifices of thanks and praise and things like that. We don't see those as death to death, you know, but by God's gift of faith, we see it as life to life, right? That is a gift of God that we would believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, that's always kind of a tough one to look at because of two fragrances, death to death and life to life. Um, so, uh, any questions about that? That we as Christians are supposed to have, <laughs> I hate to say it, a certain kind of smell about us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. We're, we're supposed to have a certain smell about us. Um, uh, and uh, uh, we're supposed to be a fragrant offering to God in, in our life. You know, we're supposed to live lives. Uh, what is it? We are supposed to be, um, oh, what did Paul say? In, was, it, was, it, was it Romans? Um, where he says, uh, uh, living sacrifices, right? That we sacrifice ourselves in our life for God, um, not to earn salvation, but because of the sacrifice that Christ made for us, right? It is a joyful response to give our lives for he gave his life for us, yeah? Um, so, and, and that's something we should really hold on to, for sure. Um, any, any questions or thoughts about that? Does it help kind of clarify some things a little bit? Or does it make it clear as mud? <laughs> I'll leave you all to ponder it. Because um, it, is, it is kind of a tough, a tough text to really you know, pull a whole bunch of stuff out of. But we accept the fact that we are, um, we are the ones being saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. But among those who are perishing, we stink. <laughs> we stink, right? Because, like yeah, they don't like us because we preach conviction, right? We preach God's judgment, but also his salvation. But no matter how nice you sound when you're preaching God's judgment, it's still a judgment. Um, but you preach God's judgment in hopes that they would hear the salvation as well, right? Um, and, and that's always really hard is to preach judgment and say, repent or, you know, God, God, God will judge you. And they just think, oh, you Christians, you're so ju judgmental. And no matter how many times we say, we're not going to judge you, God will. They'd be like, no, that's you. You're going to do that. You know, oh, well, 
Lord, have mercy. Help them see the truth so that they can know Christ, right? Um, and, and, and we want to preach this salvation to all people, and we do. Um, but we have to be prudent about it and be careful not to just comfort people in their sin and, and to comfort them when they should be afflicted, right? Uh, I, what is that saying? Or it's... I, I always feel bad when I think of these sayings and someone, and, and I just like, who said that? And someone's like, that's oh, in the Bible, don't you know? So I can't remember if it's in the Bible, but it's like, but I think it is just a saying where it's like, you know, the comfort <clears throat> that, um, I'm pretty sure it is just a saying, but, you know, pastors are supposed to, pastors and Christians generally are supposed to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfort, the comfortable, you know? So if you're comfortable in your sin, you need to be afflicted. Like, hey, stop doing that. But if you're afflicted in your sin by saying, Lord, have mercy, I've done this horrible thing, and God's going to damn me forever. And you go, well, there's comfort here because Christ died for you. Right? So there's two sides of those things. And you have to know when's the law moment, when's the gospel moment. It's not easy. Pastors are not very good at it, right? So we're not expecting everyone to be perfect in these things. Um, but... To those who are being saved, we are a fragrance of life to life. Right? To those who are perishing, we are a fragrance of death to death. Um, praying that God would change their hearts so that we would be a pleasant fragrance. right? Because we preach Christ crucified for our salvation. Um, so, uh, wrapping this up, 2 Corinthians 3, 5-6. Uh, just write down the page there, probably, for you. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. Who wants to read that for us? Not that we are comp competent in ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new co covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Yeah. So, what ministry is given to the apostles? Go out and teach all nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make disciples by baptizing and teaching, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, the ministry, and, and here according to 2 Corinthians 3, um, uh, God has made us competent, you know, the, the, the ministers of a new covenant, he has made us competent, not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So what is, what is the result there? The spirit gives life. Yeah. Um, the letter. The letter kills. Yeah, the letter of the law kills, yeah. right? Uh, judging people according to the letter, we rightfully should be condemned. I mean, that's why we say in a confession absolution, right, that, that we um, justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment, right? And we are heartily sorry for our sins. But we pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of, your, of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name, right? And so 
uh, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We are, that's, that's law and gospel right there, right? Uh, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit points us to Christ and says, you know, the law has said, do this. You did not do it. You're rightfully condemned. But, but in Christ, your sin is condemned and you are forgiven, right? Your sin has been taken from you and been placed on Jesus on the cross. And the result is that the Spirit kills, but you will live forever in Christ by keeping his word, by holding on to what he says about his, his salvation that he won for you, right? So the result is that the ministry of the apostles is not so great because the apostles were great men. The ministry of the apostles was great because God was working through them, and he still works through his preachers, right? The apostolic you know, pastors sent in the office of the apostles to preach and teach, to administer the sacraments, so that the Holy Spirit would work faith. And salvation. Yeah? Any, any questions or any thoughts to conclude this? We, uh, we talked a lot about how horrible, damnable sinners we are for about a couple weeks, and now we finally get to the good stuff and we stop. Uh, <laughs> none of that last, none of the other stuff was bad stuff, but it was, it was good stuff too. But uh, um, it's nice to know that we, we, we end this whole thing on the understanding that you know we're not we're not left in our sin and despair uh, but we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that is a pure gift and thanks be to God for it yeah amen, amen. so any questions comments concerns no well I won't hold y'all back too much longer because I know y'all probably want to get to to lunch and everything. But uh, um, this is a good study. I'm glad I'm glad y'all stuck with me through it. And um, um, if you do have any questions or anything like that, you want to talk about anything, just let me know. Um, always loving to talk about this stuff. But with that, let's let's go ahead and close with the Lord's prayer. So uh, taught by our Lord and trusting His promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.